Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks, and we talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Charlene McBride is our guest this week, or this episode. Shoot. Charlene McBride is our guest this episode. Greetings, Charlene. Hello. Yo. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun, and I run the exoskeleton art space in Los Angeles and host in frequent art openings and events there, and I am a user experience designer in LA. I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm based in Chicago. I'm an artist, engineer, and open hardware advocate, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. My name is Charlene, and I'm a user experience designer also. I work on <laughs> tools for software engineers at a very large company in Seattle that you might have heard of. Um, I'm also an artist, and I create mostly abstract work uh, using mixed media, collage, watercolor, and whatever else I can get my hands on. And I enjoy the occasional cocktail. Mm. Are you are you having one right now, as I am? Uh, no, I'm having um, some LaCroix. La Cola. Well done. Uh-huh. Is that nice. is that is that an all over the United States thing? Is Lacroix is Lacroix ubiquitous, or is it a, is it any kind of regional thing? You know, I never drank it until I moved to the West Coast, but I think it's available on the East Coast. Oh, maybe. Chicago is lousy with Lacroix. Rob, when you were up in in Old Troy in New York in the boonies, did you were you Lacroix in it? <laughs> Because you, cause you make your own, uh, right? Don't you make your own carbonated water? I, I do. I, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I um, I enjoy refreshing Lacroix though as well. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. uh, Troy, Troy, New York. They, 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 they didn't really. Mm, no, I mean, probably now. Probably now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in like major supermarket chains, I think, at this point. So they probably got it. It's uh, globalism, y'all. It's modern times. It is. It is. <laughs> Charlene, um, we have we have experienced your work uh, over the internet. Mm-hmm. Oh, and shout out to uh, Ranjit uh, Bhatnagar for for uh, suggesting that we reach out to you. Oh, um, Ranjit's yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you know Ranjit? Um, a, yeah, so I used person? to live in uh, New York a long time ago, mm-hmm. and um, I think I met him at one of the art bots. Uh, talent. Oh, it was the Artbot Talent Show in Brooklyn. Oh, awesome! A long yeah. time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've kept in touch with them ever since. That's great. His his work is so awesome. Yeah, I think of your work as being algorithmic, maybe, mm-hmm. um, or um, pattern, pattern. Uh, like there's connections to pattern or breaking a pattern in an interest in a interesting way, like like that it feels like a pattern. But then if I maybe keep staring at it for a while, I realize maybe it isn't, but it just felt like one to begin with. <laughs> um, and I was also very curious about uh, the different materials you use uh, that um, particularly I'm looking at some of your collages that are made up of what feel like maybe quarter sized dots. Okay. Yeah. Um so that work, um, I started making in, um, I think, 2010, and it kind of started by accident. Um, that year, I, for whatever reason, decided that I was going to paint myself a calendar every month, and um, I oh. would punch a hole in the top of each one, um, and towards the end of the year, uh, to, to, you know, punch a hole in the top to hang it, basically, on the wall, and... Um, after a few months, I had accumulated, accumulated all these little dots of color. Um, and I was like, oh, what if I put them in a grid? <laughs> um, and yeah, it just kind of evolved from there. Uh, so the um, basically, I'm just taking watercolor and painting paper um, and then punching them out oh. with a hole punch. Um, and then they get arranged into a grid. Um, sometimes I use other materials like, um, like pages from books or, or maps. Um, I've also, um, done a few pieces using hyperinflated currency. Um, you can find that stuff on eBay. It's awesome. Whoa. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, those particular pieces, um, what I was trying to do was, uh, sell them, 
um, in exchange for Bitcoin. Um, so this was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, um, when you did this is the crucial <laughs> yeah, piece of information. Yeah, it never here. worked. It never worked because the people who came to um, my open studios had no idea what Bitcoin was. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so I never uh, made a successful transaction with those pieces. If, um, if but I did have one. Yeah, I had one woman come in who saw one of the uh, 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 bills that came from Yugoslavia and instantly recognized it because it was before the war. Yeah. And wow. uh, yeah, <laughs> it was intriguing. Of course, at that moment, I couldn't punch holes in it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, you, you felt a certain uh, responsibility towards that historical document. Yeah, it just became a little bit precious, and it was the only one I had. So I was yeah. like, okay, maybe I'll go on eBay and try to find some more. <laughs> you know, I was just reading a, an article on um, Hacker News, the Y Combinator site, about, uh, man, which country was it? It was one of the Nordic countries that's effectively going cashless, and it, it turns out that that really makes criminals have to rethink their strategies. And so <laughs> apparently one of the most expensive things you can steal in that country now is this particular endangered owl. So instead of trying to amash cash, cash they were trying to uh, like pick up uh, endangered creatures and knock over, you know, vans containing Apple products and things like that. Huh. So in some ways, it made crime wow. worse. Like it made crime more violent in a weird way because you you had to uh, reattain goods as opposed to um, cash itself. Interesting. Oh. I mean. Are, are we talking about like live owls? <laughs> yeah, that's what. Yeah, uh, I believe so. It, it was something really evocative called like the Northern Gray Phantom or something like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna find the article while we're talking here. Wow. I don't think that there are particularly uh, friendly animals. I'd <laughs> say like a thing will bite you. <laughs> oh my! Uh, my Google foo uh, remains top notch. The owl thieves of Sweden. So let me wow. uh, let me click through here and figure it out. What was? the name of the owl it was a really good one a single great gray owl known as the phantom of the north <laughs> could fetch about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on the dark web i i love the idea of going to the silk road for the owl trade i mean and like do they like deliver them or like yeah yeah is that the kind of thing where you order the owl to your neighbor's house and then pick it up when they <laughs> uh-huh. hey Rob, Rob, didn't you guys get like a designer purse sent to your house in this very same scam? Yeah, like an eight hundred dollar uh, handbag showed up, and I kept getting like a notice that was like, um, uh, you know, you got to sign for this package, and I was like, what could this thing be? Yeah. You know, like I don't know what it. And they don't tell you who it's from or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I signed for it, and like as soon as I signed for it, the the box was like something like some Italian designer or something, right? And I was like, maybe somebody sent me something in like a weird, you know, repurposed box or something. And I cut it open and like there's like a leather bag just sitting there. And I was like, oh, no. So what did I looked it up and it was $895. So what did you do with it? Or do you not want to say that on the. I contacted the. No, (laughs) I contacted the company and just said like, hey, I got this uh, bag in the mail Mm -hmm. that I didn't order. And they were like, they were very used to it. They were like, okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah. We'll, and they were like, uh, we'll, you know, send you an RMA and, you know, no big deal. Like, they were, they were really good about it. Well, that's nice of you. But they were just like, oh, yeah. They were like, yeah, you're the thousandth person. Like, they were right. just very, right. like, like, the fraud people were like, oh, God. But, and the website, oh, the, the bad thing was, is I had, so I'd gone to their website, right, to figure out who they were and all that. Mm-hmm. And then after that, for months, all I got was handbag ads. <laughs> <laughs> like in all of my web pages. So it was just this like constant reminder that my identity had been stolen. Yeah. Through, yeah, through, yeah, ad placement. But anyway. Um, Charlene, I had a, I had a, so you, so uh, I follow your Instagram account. And oh. I was curious that what made me think about, um, uh, uh, what made me curious about the the drawings that I think are quite a bit earlier with the dots is I think it looked like um, lately you had been exploring mechanical drawing or um, not mechanical drawing. What's the right word? Maybe automatic, like drawing. a pen um, plotter. Yeah. So I have a um, AxiDraw, which is a plotter yeah. made by um, Evil Mad Scientist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting little device. It's um, tiny. Actually, well, so I also have this giant paper cutter, and so it's tiny in comparison. 
um, but yeah, it's great because you just you know take an SVG and um, and bring that in and throw in a pin and it'll draw it. Um, but mine, um, I think the belt got loose or something like that, and so uh-huh, it's been uh-huh. uh, it's been a, behaving a little strangely, which uh, turned up being a, a pretty uh, interesting experience and, and that is some interesting results. So you get that classic like creep at 45 degrees or how does it change the nature of the image for you? Um, yeah, so the drawings were um, made up of lots of rectangles um, and so at first it just kind of um, they, they would um, slightly just not be square anymore and then uh-huh. they kind of turned into these kind of, I don't know how to describe them. Um, it was not drawing a rectangle anymore. It was just kind of um, uh, turning. It was almost like turning into like a partially a cross or something uh-huh. like that. So uh-huh. I think uh-huh. in, in both on the X and Y axis, it was just totally kind of losing its place. Um, and, and then it would kind of do these weird little, like, I don't know if you've ever like, you know, when you're a kid, like doodling in class, where you just like start making like a kind of consecutive shapes, and they kind of gradually change. It was doing that for uh-huh. a little while, um, uh-huh. and then it stopped working altogether. <laughs> and then, um, then I kind of oiled it and, and retightened it, and kind of got it mostly behaving um, again. But uh, it it was an interesting experience because it would literally like forget where zero zero was. Mm-hmm. So you would do a drawing and then try to do the same one, and it would start in a completely different place and end up in a completely different place. Yeah, a, a former re- recent guest, uh, Jay Stephen Lee, he and I were talking about uh, purchasing that exact same the Axie Draw, and then I think that uh, there's a whole bunch of kind of Chinese knockoffs. Um, and of course, you know, you want, I mean, that's the, the, always the classic problem in the open source movement is wanting to support, uh, the origination of those designs, but also being tempted by the cheap ones. But have you had a good experience with it? Would you recommend picking one up? I absolutely recommend it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really awesome. Even if mine kind of started misbehaving, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not too hard to, to get it back in shape. Um, and, uh, they have, you know, really great support. I actually know the owners. They're, they're awesome people. I met them long ago at a maker fair far in the distance, but yeah, I I don't, I don't think they'd remember me. I have a cricket, which is, um, I feel bad about really in a way like, um, a cricket, the cricket is kind of a, uh, I mean, it's, it's really cool and it works really well so far. It's a very new school business model, right? Where it's like, we're giving you this piece of hardware, but if the company goes out of business, you're hosed. Uh-huh. You know, because oh, the, thing, the application yeah. yeah, the application is hosted in the cloud. Hmm. So you can't you don't have installable software. The application's quite good for the most part. Is this a drawing um, machine or something else? Yeah, it's um it's a it's like a vinyl cutter. It's a cutting machine, but you could also install a pin in it. Uh-huh. Um which is really cool. And like the system that they developed is really great. Like it, what that you do is you have these um, like sticky back boards and then you lay your paper or vinyl or cloth or whatever it is onto the board. And then the board feeds into the machine and the cutter does its thing. And what's good about that is you'd really don't have to, you can focus on, you know, laying your cloth flat against this sort of rubber cemented kind of board. And then, as long as you know that's cool, it's probably going to cut well, um, which really resolves, you know, lots of moving parts and weirdness, uh-huh. you know. But it's definitely like, uh, you know, the, what they charge for one of those boards is you're like, oh, that's where the money's made. <laughs> that's similar to my uh, my paper cutter, which is um, it's the Silver Bullet. Um, oh. I got the extra large. It's supposed to be kind of like the professional model or something. Um, but yeah, I've been, uh, trying to get the most out of those boards, of the, the boards before, uh, before I have to pay to replace them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I I feel bad, but I have a, I have a 3d printer that I wrestle with a lot and I, I got the cricket because I was just kind of exhausted with like having to do maintenance and troubleshooting on a device in order to (laughs) get what I wanted out of it. And so I, I, I have not. Because I kind of looked at the Axie Draw as a 
alternative, you know, and as an alternative mm-hmm. that I uh, fundamentally support and think is more interesting. Um, but I, I, I didn't, and then, but then I was like, well, if I bail on the cricket, the cricket's very easy to eBay, you know, so I could just eBay. This whole then. time I thought that was called a cry cut. <laughs> I, I, it is spelled like c-r-i-c-u-t but i think they pronounce it cricket i was just busting a sweat trying yeah. to google that thing over here so i could put it up on the slack channel <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man yeah 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 thanks charlene what are you what are you up to now um as far as art, art making and stuff yeah um so I have a series of experiments that i've been working on um where I take um, uh, high flow acrylic paint um, or uh, acrylic ink um, or um, sometimes um, Indian ink and um, kind of let um, pour, basically put drops of that on a surface um, called Duralar, which is kind of like a polyester film. And then I'll add some water. Um, sometimes I'll add a little bit of flow release to the water to, so that um, basically to kind of control the surface tension a little bit. Um, and basically uh, just kind of let the paint dry. And it kind of um, leaves, as the water evaporates, um, it leaves some interesting patterns um, and, and textures. Um, and uh, as the weather gets warmer, they, um, they don't take as long to dry. So I'm, I'm just about to we're just about the point where I can resume those experiments. Um, and, uh, I'm hoping to, to do some at a larger scale this summer. So. I love that we're, <laughs> all, we're like... all techie people, but then we still, you know, one can still come up with a process that's slave to the weather. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. That's such a great combo yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you guys are both uh, also UX designers, and I, I ceaselessly tease, tease Rob for being a, a UX person. Um, but but now that you can gang up on me, I, I feel like I should back off on that perspective. I don't know. <laughs> Rob, are you feeling more fierce now that you've got backup? Yeah, we might, like, stakeholder interview you to death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so you know what I'm looking for. I'm always looking for the, the business speak. I love it. Oh, and, and and before we leave this behind, I I know I we need to talk about um, projects, of course. But uh, one more thing is, I was perusing your uh, your Instagram, Charlene. Was it looks like you are also using um, uh, sticky backed, maybe vinyl cut or maybe scissor cut copper foil, which is something I really want to get my students into. It was that a one ah. a one time thing, or is that something that you've been doing some research on? Oh no, it's for this podcast. <laughs> It is related. Um, <laughs> oh no, I cheated! Um, but accident. I, I do. I have um, done um, just some some experiments uh, with um, LEDs and yeah. um, kind of paper electronics. So yeah, it is related to. Oh <laughs> yeah, because I can see in the comment that I just cheated by accident. So either I'm a terrible cheater or an amazing segwayist. You choose. <laughs> you choose. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Taylor, do you want to go first for the challenge? Yeah, sure. So, so take a look, um, at the little zip file. Yeah, it looks like, a an egg, um, on, um, some kind of maybe like a, a dish towel oh, that's kind of striped yes. and. There's a little knife, and it looks like there's a hole in the egg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the second image. Oh, yeah. So I should I should say, so our challenge this episode is mechanical breakfast. Shout out to, to Nung Walsh to, uh, for giving us that That's challenge. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, our first listener provided challenge. Um, oh, so it looks like Taylor has created a... Um, little photo booth for himself mm-hmm. with a um kind of is that called an infinity screen charlene you might know what that's called like the the sort of curvy paper in the back that makes oh, your photo um seamless seamless yes yeah. got it yeah yeah <laughs> yep yep thanks um and in there is looks to be a soldering iron like the kind of brillo um <laughs> not, is it a brillo well, there's a name for that like squishy yeah, I um, think we just call it like a copper brass 
sponge Brass or something sponge. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. For cleaning one's soldering iron tip. Yeah. But there looks to be an X-Acto knife stuck in it. Yeah. From what I can tell. And then there's a camera, like a, a camera on a tripod. Yeah. Um, and then there's kind uh, of like light or a couple yes. of lights on the outside. So the, yep. the box is diffusing the light. Uh-huh. Yep. And there's some rolls of... Uh, like like AWG twenty four thirty wire <laughs> strewn about, which could or could not be part of the could be could be a tease in the photo, or could just be tailor made space on his table, which is what always happens. This this is pri- <laughs> this is prime nerdery right here. I'm loving it. <laughs> Name that wire gauge dot com. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's see the third oh. image. Um. We have um, we actually see the uh, brass sponge, and the container that's holding it, I believe, says Radio Shack. It does, yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Pouring one out for Radio Shack. Recently bought by Lamore Freed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> I know that nothing ever came of that, right? Like, at least I never heard anything about what seemed to be Adafruit buying the Radio Shack company name. Oh, I thought they just bought some uh, uh, old stock certificates. <laughs> oh, was that all it was? Oh, <laughs> dang. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> Much less exciting. <laughs> I was like, wow, they bought the Radio Shack name. Interesting. <laughs> it, it seems like she, at this point she wouldn't really need much of what Radio Shack has to offer. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this looks to be um, Charlene. To, to me, to my eye, it looks like this is the the photo that was taken by the camera in the image before. Mm-hmm. I would think where so. You, we've got the um, brass sponge and um, the exacto blade stuck in it, and it's taken on a sort of pure, um, unshadowed background. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Next one is a cube taken what seems to be in that same photo setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, like an aluminum block or mm. maybe wood paint i think it's aluminum i think it's like metal. brushed aluminum yeah yeah hard to know what the size is but yeah the box <laughs> that taylor made is what 12 by 12 you think yeah roughly yeah so it's probably a few inches and i can't i can't sneak anything by you guys man Okay, my wire gauges, my my material compositions, my the dimensions yeah. of my cardboard box. I'm just gonna hang up right now. Ha! Uh, <laughs> we've got a we've got a circuit board on the next yeah. photo, photo number five. Um, looks like a at tiny something. Oh yeah, I guess <laughs> eighty five. Oh, okay, 85. yeah, I don't have my reading glasses on, so I can't really read the text on there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Charlene, what do you think this is? There's, oh, there's, I think, what is a hermaphroditic connector that Taylor had mentioned in the last episode. Indeed. On the end, that beige connector. Oh, I've never seen that type of connector before. I hadn't either. And Taylor mentioned, uh, Taylor, feel free to jump in on this, like that it's, um, it's, it's a connector that accepts itself as a connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we got turned on to really it, uh, me and, uh, also, former guest Nick Bontrager uh, working on a PCB project, and we talked to um, these uh, folks who were designing the QueerCon badge, which I guess is an ancillary or like parallel conference. I think it started as just a kind of a subunit of uh, DEF CON, but now they have their own oh. conference. Um, oh, wow. And so the great That's thing cool. about it is it's a connector that mates to itself, so it has that kind of conceptual um arc but also it just works you know it functions and so it was a way to hook um electronic badges together for uh communication between devices okay next next photo we have a much more sophisticated looking board with many 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 pens yeah it has a little uh screen on the end Mm -hmm. oh it does Hmm. and that might be there's like a some sort of large surface mount chip in the middle uh, mm. that we I can't either has a heat sink on it or is obscured in some way. Shielded. There's a, there's a oh shielded yeah. Mm. There, there's oh mm, I see a USB micro connector on one end. <laughs> there's not a lot here to go on. I see a for, switch. <laughs> yes, right. Yep. 
Man, all of these photos look killer though, Taylor. Oh, this thanks. is all used. This is all with your um, like little photo setup, huh? Yeah, my three pieces of tracing paper and, and my clip lights. <laughs> it looks great. Yeah. And then we've got what looks to be like a uh, like a shield, oh. a very large copper board that could be like a shield board for the one of the other boards. Yeah. It has that same um, hermaphroditic, hermaphroditic connector yeah. and four um, LEDs. Are they NeoPixels? Right? Yeah, they're, they're, the, uh, they're the generic like AliExpress NeoPixels. Oh, okay. Nice. And like um, a huge ground plane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and if you guys are unfamiliar, <laughs> this was a really exciting one for me to find out. That switch on the lower right is actually a tactile switch that can sense all four directions and depression which was a oh, wow. super, super cool. cool part to work with. They're really cheap, and uh, you can use them as like little navigation buttons. And so yeah, it seems like cool. almost like a tiny joystick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we started with an egg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is totally <laughs> unfair, by the way. I mean, it's never... I have not provided enough information to, to describe why the egg's there. But you can take a guess if you want. Uh-huh. Here's my wild guess about the egg. I think Taylor ate this egg while working on the project. <laughs> Are you ready? You ready for me to spill the beans? I'm ready. So, so mechanical breakfast, of course, was our was yes. our challenge. And uh, as Rob and I often talk about, Charlene, and I'm curious if you had the same experience, but we, there's a lot of fits and starts when it comes to figuring out how to do one of these challenges and we often wind up running down the clock by doing this and doing that with things that don't work out. And so, um, so I, I've been increasingly interested in trying to document the stuff that I'm doing as, as part of the thinking process where it's, it's sort of the, like the process of figuring the challenge out is always something I want to document. So, so the first thing I was thinking, I remember, you know, as a, as a young lad before Arduinos were a twinkle in anyone's eye or, you know, pick chips for that matter. And I remember being really interested in that sort of like science museum, you know, steel ball bearing, running around a little track kind of art, like that <laughs> that kinetic art. And I remember there was some guy, one of the first ones I was aware of, uh, carved up a bunch of eggs so that he just had half the egg shell. And there would be like two halves with the um, the domes pointed towards each other sort of suspended on rods and then this mechanical system would cause them to knock together and he managed to sort of get them to sound different um, tones in a sort of percussive way and so um, I thought oh yeah maybe I'll try something like that so I I was I was tapping out little holes and eggs to blow them out uh, so that you know the all of the egg material comes out and then you can kind of carve up the egg and I did one, and I was like, oh, man, I do not want to try to figure out how to get this done. <laughs> it, was, it was such a pain in the butt. So so I blew out one egg and then thought, oh, I'm going to do something completely different. So, uh, so, so, so I returned to, I started thinking about all these electronics I've been working on. I was talking about them in our last episode, but working with the AT-Tiny, which is this about as small of a um, non-surface mount component as you can get to work with. Um, and so these little sort of little doohickeys like LEDs and, you know, tiny sensors and AT tinies and so forth feel like food to me. And they got me thinking about, um, uh, like Instagram breakfast photography and so forth. Uh, (laughs) you know, so, so at first I was thinking, oh, you know, I'll grab like a plate and I'll arrange, you know, like, like 440 nuts and other kind of things in this sort of food like manner. But then that felt really cheesy. So in a a podcast a long, long time ago, I'd I'd tried to make this light box and never quite fulfilled it. And so I went back to it and really spent the time to figure out what the steps were. So basically it was, um, you know, going to Home Depot and getting these LED bulbs that were all the exact same light color uh, or light temperature, right? So they're all 5,000 or or 5K bulbs or whatever it is. And then um, breaking everything in camera raw. And then uh, the other big thing was masking stuff out uh, with um, vector masks and Photoshop so I could kind of blow out the background and just leave the part but also leave the shadow, which was sort of the big trick in trying to figure out that workflow. Oh. And then once I had that down, 
I felt like getting in real tight, particularly on those boards with the multicolored wires, like those feel sort of like desserts to me, you know, um, where they have that sort of, <laughs> like, I just want to bite it. Uh, and then, um, and then the, 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 the parallel thing is just, this is a bunch of work I've been doing with various collaborators and then trying to really take the time to photograph all of the steps along the way. Cause I feel like particularly in our field where we're working on, um, stuff that goes, you know, uh, often in a lot of, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm particularly curious to hear, uh, Charlene's, uh, opinion about this, but when you're showing something you made in processing, for example, you sort of, or at least I have a, um, an inclination to show the code and kind of show how hard it was to make, but ultimately <laughs> mostly people just care about the final product and really do not want to see, the um, right. you know the the sort of the bones and the and the muscles that went into making that thing go. So so I'm I'm trying to you know <laughs> slow myself down and make aesthetic products out of all this stuff that would otherwise just be uh, totally hidden. Um, so mm. it kind of morphed away from breakfast into that. But it, but I I promise I got <laughs> thinking about it because I genuinely want to bite and otherwise uh, consume PCBs. <laughs> Picture five really looks. Now that I look at it, it does really look like it could be made out of um, what's that like fondant? cake frosting? That's like <laughs> yes, fondant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they do. I mean, it's, it is a breadboard, right? Boom. Oh, or there, there is, is a there is a breadboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes they call them wafers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, wait, wait. The Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think there is a? Uh, uh, do, do you think that there there is an an overlap there? Oh, oh, you, you know, I think I did read about that. It was actually that um, when electronics used to be a lot chunkier, you would literally prototype by taking a piece of wood and then nailing stuff down to it, and so that was yeah. you know, yeah. the origin of the breadboard. So maybe I think bugs come from the same place, right? Is isn't there like a picture of the first bug, and it's literally a bug they found smashed into a uh, into like <laughs> yeah. a mechanical computer? Yeah. Like those old giant ones, um, yeah, from like the fifties. <laughs> oh, it was a breadboard, like a cutting board. Oh, yeah. I think it, sometimes it's just um, when when you've done something, you know, you feel very um, you 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 feel very um, attached to the work, mm-hmm. um, the the labor as well as the the end end result. Um, but it's also good to have. Um, those details for the nerds you know there are the people that really only do care about the end but then there are the nerds who are really interested in the details and 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 want to discuss them nerds we celebrate you oh have we come is it time to see charlene's work yes (laughs) i see a google drive link I'm seeing a, what I, oh, okay, I guess perhaps this is the vinyl cutter we were talking about before. At first I was going to guess it was a laser because of the blue light, but then I'm seeing a little rotating what looks like a drag knife down in there. What are you seeing? Yeah, yeah, and the material that's being cut, it's on a sort of cutting mat style uh-huh. uh, cutting board, and mm-hmm. the material is very, it looks like a either cloth or like a leather almost like material where there's slightly hairy hairy yeah, yeah. there's fur on it or <laughs> or like um like a uh, fiberglass mat kind of although i don't imagine yes. that could be cut with this uh, approach i do like that there's a there's googly eyes mm-hmm. on your on your cutting on the mail <laughs> on your cutter which is really cool yeah. And then now are we cutting some kind of like super thin plastic sheet, maybe a rigid plastic sheet that's mostly yeah, clear? Yeah, like PET or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or yeah, like a, oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that there's some stuff you just really don't want to burn up on the laser, such as PETG. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, aha. You on number 3? Number 3. Yeah, we see how would you describe that, Taylor? Satisfying. There's a sort of very almost Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, symmetrical. What is it? Bilaterally Style symmetrical pattern. It reminds me of almost like a coral or a sponge 
Um, uh, kind of pattern where it, it um, is like quote unquote organic, <laughs> but it is um, bilaterally symmetrical, or it's like a brain scan almost. Like it has a kind of brain hemisphere cross section mm-hmm. look where there's lots of um, sort of tight curves doubling mm-hmm. back on itself. I, I'm uh, with you on the brain scan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm excited to see where this goes. Aha, uh-huh. I am. Uh oh, I'm oh number four. Look at those scissors. Number five. Yeah, there's um. Well, those oh. those look special. Aha. Yeah, those <laughs> tables, those scissors look awesome. Those those they're scissors like are so special. Tables. They're autographed. They're autographed. <laughs> they are autographed. Yeah. Uh, the best thing I ever um, bought at Michael's. <laughs> oh, Michael yeah. himself <laughs> autographed these scissors. <laughs> <laughs> there's um. Now we're seeing some copper tape, mm-hmm. which Taylor you had mentioned before. And he's quite he's a back copper tape, maybe quarter inch wide. Is it you think something like that? Yep. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a back copper tape. Yep, very very thin, so you can sort of apply it to uneven surfaces. We got a classic self healing mat in the background, and then what what do you make of this stuff? What's that sort of? Is that like a snap away mm-hmm. PCB that's got SMD LEDs on it? They're kind of they kind of look like they would snap away. Um, in the shape of like a guitar pick, but much smaller. Oh yeah, that yeah that that maybe they come on a strip or something, and this is three of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're if, yeah that's cool. If it makes sense yeah. just to leave them together. And I know I had seen in some of Charlene's other documentation she was working with NeoPixels, and had mentioned them earlier. Uh-huh. So perhaps they are of a similar family. NeoPixels um, are, I think, they're technically all like RGB LEDs. I think you. But you might be able to get white NeoPixels too. I believe um, but some they're do, just, um, yeah, they're just um, completely um, addressable and controllable um, with code. So, with a single oh, wire so is too really... is the really exciting part. Uh-huh. So you can have a strip of like oh, yeah. 128 of them and only one wire for control. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So things are changing up because we had this very. Um, I will dare say it like organic mm-hmm. shape that was furry, but and now we're getting into copper tape and some electronics. Uh okay, so in the next image that I'm seeing now, there's being I think maybe the um the brain kind of hemisphere, we have one of the hemispheres, and it's um also some kind of stain maybe has been applied to it, like an ink wash that's uh-huh. uneven. And then yeah. um yeah. how would you describe that copper rub? It's like a crafted circuit traces mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is how I'm thinking it. And there's the three, if they are NeoPixels, if that's the right term for them, there's three of them and they're kind of in, in series. And one is yellow, one is blue, and one is red. And it is on sort of one of the hemispheres, on top one of the hemispheres. So, And then we see some alligator clips. Aha. And now... Yeah, it's uh, ooh, it's not oh. very flat. Oh yeah, what's happening here with the X's? We have what maybe it sounds like Charlene had described earlier using kind of polymers to create um different shapes and what we have here is a uh um almost like a knitting needle style uh, sized object that has one large red X, translucent red X on one side, and one a smaller red X on the back head. It's almost like a very fast moving second hand. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing the motor here is pretty simple, Rob, because it's just a static, mm-hmm. you know, it's always the same speed. Yes, uh, right. Also, the big X is on, is much closer to the center point of the rotation, and the smaller X is much yep. further out. Yeah. Uh, for, and I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, when I think about the balanced. challenge, like the closest I can get is is thinking about time as it relates to breakfast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but uh, she's going to make us work for this one, I think. Yeah, I think you've hit on a lot of uh, what's going on. What I was thinking about, um, I was kind of googling around and stuff, so I didn't really have an idea. And I don't, you know, yeah. most of the work I do is abstract. Not, you know, I'm not, I don't do a lot of representational stuff. Uh-huh. But um, mm-hmm. I was looking around and thinking about like breakfast, like what's breakfast? Breakfast is breaking the fast. You know, what does that mean? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And um, and I was kind of like thinking about. Um, you know, what happens in the brain when you fast. Um, and I came across um, 
these brain scan images um, associated with a couple of different articles, neither of which explained what those brain scan images actually were. <laughs> so I think it was just stock photography or something like that. But I like the way it looked. And, yeah. um, and so I was like, oh, I could emulate that with some, um, with some LEDs and uh, kind of get this kind of interesting layered um, effect. Um, so that's kind of how it came to where the, the kind of idea came around, came from. Um, and the, so, um, material wise, um, the background and the top layer are both, uh, watercolor paper that have oh. been painted with watercolor, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nice. and just given a lot of texture. So that's where you kind of get that, that, that sense of hairiness. I just want it to, to wow. be a little bit modeled. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really just paint. <laughs> um, and then the, uh, the translucent layer is, uh, Duralar, which is the, uh, polyester film I, I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then the LEDs are circuit stickers from a company called Chibitronics, um, uh, uh, started by, a uh, an MIT, uh, a PhD student, or actually she was in MIT Media Lab and she has since gotten her PhD, I think just uh-huh. last year or the year before. And you, you can just, they're, they're basically little adhesive backed, um, tiny little, uh, circuit, flexible circuit boards, uh, with LEDs on them. Um, and you can just like put them down on the, um, copper surface, um, and, and, and make a circuit. Um, that's cool. Yeah, they're they're pretty awesome to work with. Um, and let's see, what else can I say? Um, oh, so uh, I am using a clock for the uh, the, oh, the kind cool. of spinny thing. That's <laughs> uh, just a cheap clock movement that I bought on Amazon. And uh-huh. um, and then the X's um, are or plus signs. Actually, I never make up my mind if they're plus signs or X's, um, but they, um, they're also made from Doralar with, um, with, uh, acrylic, uh, paint or uh, the high flow acrylic paint. Do you know what the high, fl- is high flow mean? Is it very viscous and thick or does that mean it's very thin or is it just it's, have a different? It's very, very thin. Um, very thin. But, okay. but still very pigmented. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. You, you wow, guys, yeah, you guys cool. should talk tennis shoe paint rep. Oh yeah, we should. <laughs> I've got I got new tennis shoe paint. Damn. Okay, good. Yeah, the, the, there's so many. Uh, Charlene, the I feel like every project that Rob and I do, we could just do immediately after each episode has been recorded. Like do it again for real. <laughs> yeah. So there's this long yeah this long yeah. list of projects we'll have to return to one day. And Rob's most yep. recent foray was painting his tennis shoes. If it's a if it's an actual clock movement, how how come it's uh, going so fast? Oh oh. Totally forgot this detail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I use the um, what do they call it? Hyperlapse feature of, <laughs> on my phone. Oh, right on. <laughs> so I sped it up a little bit. Okay, nice. Um, oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to do something where um, uh, just to to get it around and not have to wait for a whole minute. Mm-hmm. Basically, right. you yep. have a very yep. steady hand. I have to say, you do have very steady. Indeed. Oh. Um, Using tripods. Is Duralar, is it like an artist material or what is it to commonly used for? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I've only seen it in art stores. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah, probably, there's probably other uses for it. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Is it slick? Like, is it? Um... Yeah. I mean, the, the kind I'm using is, um, uh, has a matte finish. You can also uh-huh. get okay. it um, completely clear. Um, yeah. I find the clear stuff hard to work with. Um, the mat will hold on to ink better. Um, I don't know. I just think it looks nicer. <laughs> it is marketed cool. yeah. as an acetate yeah. alternative. Will not tear, absorb oh. moisture, or discolor with age. Heat resistant, dimensionally stable, lays flat, and is acid free. Yeah. Huh. Or, right. so, or, you know, or so I'm told. So should we, Rob, should we cue up your video? Yeah. I've been sort of junking up the channel here, so i got to find you. Where'd you go? Oh, here we are. At the very very top of the top. So, Charlene, shall we tell me when you're ready and we can just hit play at the same time. Uh, Rob, do you want us to talk during the video? How do you want us to do it? Sure. It's very, um, it's a video, but I would say it's not, it could have been a series of pictures. It could have been exactly what Charlene did, Mm -hmm. which is Uh it being like a series of photos and videos. I just kind of threw them all into a video for simplicity's sake. So, yeah, feel free to talk through them. Mm -hmm. 
like there's some kind of paper or a board and we're drawing with like a pencil. Mm-hmm. Reb also taking advantage of fast mo. <laughs> yes. 600x speed. Yeah. yeah. It looks like you're drawing um, maybe a jar. Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Or um, pepper grinder. Oh, like a yeah, some kind of grinder, like a pepper grinder or a coffee grinder, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, coffee grinder. Yeah. See, I know Rab well enough to know I should have just guessed coffee be- before we hit play. <laughs> Rab, Rab actually measures the water he puts in his coffee on a gram scale. Do you still do that, wow. Rab? Now that you're a parent, do you still do that? Oh yeah. We're gonna shading in some some details. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about that shading. Oh, and then there it is, the coffee grinder. Yep. Oh. Uh, now, oh, it's the um. Oh. What do you call yeah. it? I have I, I have one. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it's like a um a an angled mirror that lets you look at the object with one eye and the drawing with one eye simultaneously, right? Yeah, that's it's, right. Um, it starts with an N. Oh, Neo Lucida. That's Whoa. it. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. It's uh, similar to uh, the types of devices that uh, a lot of people think that Vermeer used when he painted his mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Did his portraits and and things. Still totally. alive. Yep. Are you guys familiar <laughs> with the Hockney Falco thesis? That there's a really fan- I think they came with a book together, but David Hockney got together with this optic scientists i forget his first name but falco uh, or i'd like to i'd like to imagine that his whole name was falco but but the they they yeah did, did a bunch of sort of scientific um or at least scientifically styled um explanations of how old mastered paintings were likely you know exhibited really specific optical distortion that would have effectively proved the use of camera obscura and so forth rab is a lefty you should point that out so <laughs> So he, yeah. you know, he has to overcome that challenge. <laughs> and writing with pen in particular. Let's see. Now we're drawing something else. <laughs> and crossing it out. That was a horrible one. It has shadows. I'm really digging the point of view version and wondering if Rob just faked it in the camera or if we're actually looking through oh. the device. But I mean, either way, it's working great. Yeah. Have a uh, teapot mm-hmm. being yeah yep. traced. Oh, Excel. Yeah, the... And this is version version two of the Neolisita. So. <laughs> this is version two. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I had version one and I liked it, but it is quite small. Um, mm-hmm. The mirror is like maybe a quarter of the size, if not smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really w- liked the device, but it was giving me, and I was, and my nephew got really into drawing. So I was like, Oh, I'll give him version one. So then I can <laughs> give myself version <laughs> Hey, two. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guilt free. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Charlie, what do you think is that? How does this relate to the challenge to you? Um, I think it's, um, you know, using mechanical means to, um, yes. reproduce an image. Mm-hmm. Which is, and these are all kind of breakfast-associated things, like coffee and teapots. <laughs> I had a, a fantasy of only drawing during breakfast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that I would do my drawings while having a cup of coffee. Because really? I like, in, had this fantasy of being like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll wake up early and like just really get into this part of the project in the morning. <laughs> And instead, it was like, gotta get up, gotta get this. <laughs> like, uh-huh. it never really panned out. So, I would just like slam a cup of coffee and run out the door. So, I, I didn't get to do it during breakfast. But, um, as far as kitchen equipment goes, like, definitely the coffee making apparatus is my most uh, complex and interesting things in the kitchen. So, I, I went with those. Are you guys familiar with uh, Ryan and Trevor Oaks? They have a sort of similar device. I think the fact that they're twins is kind of a marketing thing you know but they (laughs) so 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 their parents really were thinking ahead (laughs) so they they made this device i think they built it but it um part of what it does is they have to draw on paper 
that's been cut into gores, if I'm not mistaken, that's the term, you know, the same way that you would cut a globe into those sort of um, almond-shaped pieces or, uh, or cartoon uh-huh. eyeball-shaped pieces. Uh, uh-huh. And the, uh-huh. But then the funniest thing about it is that it includes a um, like a plaster hat. So, <laughs> so you sort of stick your head up inside this plaster helmet so that you can be assured you have the exact same perspective as the other guy. And then you, you draw on this wow. kind of curvy, curvy surface, but they made some pretty, pretty amazing stuff. That's in a, in a similar territory. That's cool. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I do want to s- say about the, the Neo Lucida is it, um, I think, you know, uh, we, we all, all three of us use, machines in some way or another to make what what we think is interesting or make what we want to make um and this device is no different in that it it if you are good at what you do and practiced at what you do it's it rewards that so it's not a you know people think of like a laser cutter like oh you got a laser cutter like you know um, the sort of uh, claim that you're not practicing your craft or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, um, <laughs> by using machine. And this uh, this is definitely the same. It's like most 3D prints I've ever done took not as long as it would take to make a thing, but, you know, in that realm or like, or like yes, I did this with a 3D printer, but I also spent four hours learning what in stops are <laughs> and like <laughs> how to troubleshoot them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yes, I didn't, you know, carve the thing by hand, but I did spend a ton of time, um, you know, taking uh, voltometer measurements of my thermistor to see if my thermistor was busted or not. But, <laughs> and this is the same, like, like what I, what I realized is like someone who understands how, like how line works and how to shade, you know, someone who's already a very um, studied uh, illustrator is going to, really excel at using this machine in the same way that in a, in a way that's different than if someone who just picked it up like I did and was like, Oh, I want to see what I can draw, you know? Mm. Uh-huh. And so like my shading, for instance, in line work is horrible and to the point that like even using a machine, one of the things I drew was just a total mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that you kept it in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I wanted to kind of underscore that. Like, I think what was interesting about this exercise for me was, Again, it was this thing where, like, using the machine uh, gets you certain things, but you also still have to work at other things, you know? Uh Um, And it also really made me appreciate drawing in a different way and, like, made me think, like, oh, um, what this could be really good at is someone who's already a very good illustrator but who wants to maybe create reference lines for themselves around um symmetry of an object Mm -hmm. you know or something like that that free handing it would be would be difficult to do you know or like that they could use the tool in a way that really um assists what people think of as the craft of illustration as opposed to being a sort of surrogate for lots of learning and thinking about that so anyway yeah i would imagine that all three of us don't have a ton of concern about the presence of assistive devices in our craft. But Charlene, what do you think? Does that, are you disappointed when you find out the trick, you know, the so-called trick behind somebody's, somebody's work? No, because I want to use that trick too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to find out what people are using and stuff. Um, Because then it's like, well, you know, maybe I'll learn to use that trick or maybe I'll abuse that trick and Mm -hmm. do something differently with it. It's cool that we um the mechanical part of it was all pursued very differently which I was I was curious because I know I had a, a sense of your work and I'd seen some of your work Charlene and I know Taylor's work pretty well. Um you know you sort of imagine your head like what's the other person doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh but both of you went in directions I I didn't at all imagine so it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. So right. yeah, it's great. It's also been fun getting to know new people. I feel like finally, after yeah. a year of doing the podcast, we're starting to hear from former 
um, guests and say, oh, you know, check out this person's work or that person's work. And so it's yeah. just really cool to get yeah. to know a new person. So Charlene, thanks for <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah. You had no idea, sure. yeah. no idea what we'd be like. And so you took, uh, took, yeah, took a yeah. risk there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, this was course. really great. And, uh, you know, speaking yeah. of which, uh, what, um, oh, Rob, you always introduce this next part, so I should let you do it. No, go for it. Oh, no, no, go oh, for just, it. Oh, just, well, we like to talk about, you know, things that are, are coming up and so forth. Uh, so, oh, yeah. so are yep. you, A, are there just things that you, you know, books you've been reading or utensils you've been using or whatever that you're really into? And B, have you got shows and other kinds of things coming up where people can see your work out there in the world? In a few weeks, I'll be hanging out in Minneapolis at the IO Festival. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And um, other than that, I hope I have a relaxing summer watching paint dry. <laughs> yeah, that sounds all right. Successfully dry. Yes. That sounds, yeah. that sounds yeah. calming. <laughs> have, you been, have you been to IO before? Uh, yeah, this is going to be my fifth or sixth time. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I've always wanted to go. I've never gone. So it's, You should go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I always, I don't know. I get like hung up on something stupid every t- every single year. <laughs> uh, Rob, how about you? What are you uh, What are you doing right now? What are you into? Uh, I've got a few things I'm into. Um, one of them is um, a film called Tim's Vermeer that uh, Taylor, you mentioned Vermeer. Oh. Um, have y'all Have y'all seen this film? I have not, but I saw the director, um, or not the director, the um, the guy Tim. Uh, oh. speak at a conference last year <laughs> oh cool cool yeah yeah it's um it was directed by teller of Penn and teller and it's produced by Penn of Penn and teller <laughs> i guess <laughs> uh and um i thought it was really appropriate for this challenge um for all of us because he this guy tim jennison um wanted to figure out how vermeer's paintings were made mm-hmm. and so the documentary is it's amazing like if you're an engineering person you'd think it's amazing if you're an artist person you think it's amazing but there's like really lots of nice um cool stuff and it really is a testament to like the work it takes to sort of reverse engineer someone else's process Mm. and whether you're successful or not and also the work it takes like if you so he's sort of this, I'm not spoiling anything, but he has a sort of theory that, that Vermeer used some sort of technique, right, mm-hmm. to, to Taylor's point earlier, um, that it wasn't just like he would put hand to paper with a pen in his hand and just go for it, you know, that, that he had some way of um, gritting his paper or doing something just to get his um, sort of perspective and stuff right or just sort of be able to create these sort of hyper-realistic uh, paintings. And... Uh, even if I'll say, I'll say this, like, even if you think you figured it out, the amount of work it takes just to make something that complex and interesting is huge, sure. you know? So it's yeah. like, uh, even if you, if you, yes, you bought a 3d printer, but if you spent, you know, f- 50 or 150 hours learning how it works, taking apart and replacing parts, like y- you're not cheating anything. You're just, um, learning a new set of skills and, and craft just in a different direction to get to the same result. So, um, so I thought that film was a really great example of that. And then the other thing I, I have is Pliny the elder is a, a person who <laughs> I had heard of, but I didn't know, uh, who they were or what they did. And I guess Pliny the elder was a sort of, um, uh, wrote what really kind of became the a set of encyclopedias called Naturalis Historia. And um, I got into figuring out who he was because I was trying to research names for a project at work. And I was looking at mineral names, you know, like obsidian or like, you know, like these names that people use for projects. And then and then somehow I got into learning who Pliny the Elder was through like a Google wormhole. Four hours later. And, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And uh, But it seems like a really interesting person. And it's one of those things like you've always heard like, oh, there's this infamous character, Pliny the Elder. Uh, but it seems like he's, you know, one of us. So uh-huh. it's cool. Uh-huh. That's what I got. Nice. I just have some pop culture stuff because uh, this week I mostly had my head down uh, in uh, the same stuff I was talking about last week, AT Tiny and so forth. Uh, I got a copy of Ready Player One just because a lot of people oh. were talking about it, and I found 
a uh, little book review for you. Some fun ideas in there, but it's it's why anus is is really challenging to uh, to go through. Uh, so I, I'm, I was finding that one tough. Although I just reread the Mosquito Coast. Have you guys ever read that one? Mm, no. no. Oh, so good, man. It was a Harrison Ford uh, was in the movie version in the '80s, uh, but it's about a guy who's. Um, a sort of maker character before that term was invented who thinks he's smarter than everybody. So he moves his family to the middle of nowhere in South America and has this device that, um, makes ice, but it's, it's powered by, um, fires like wood fires. And so he's, he sort of like has this notion of himself as bringing this kind of civilization to this uncivilized populace and everything goes great as you can probably imagine. Uh, so <laughs> I really recommend that one. I'm trying to muck through Ready Player One, but um, if there's any listeners out there with book suggestions, man, I want to hear them. I need I need a stack at my bedside. Oh. So that's one for oh science fiction or what? Oh yeah, what, you know what, science uh, fiction or just I mean things that I think if somebody if these conversations appeal to somebody and they've made it this far into the podcast, then whatever they book they recommend, I'm I'm sure we're gonna like. That's what I think. <laughs> I'm interested in those two. Yeah. So, yeah. And then in terms of songs, because that's been my thing lately, revisiting uh, songs, I'm I'm really playing, I'm playing uh, Q Lazarus, Goodbye Horses on the loop right now. It's the, uh, made famous by, um, it was what Buffalo Bill was playing in his uh, lair in, uh, <laughs> in yeah. uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. But apparently there's this like really, fascinating and possibly apocryphal story about the uh the woman who recorded that song who was a like a cab driver and played it for jonathan demi and then they had this whole relationship where he kept putting her music in his work and she's just like disappeared and no one knows uh where she went so who knows if that's true but um oh yeah so 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 put it on it's sort of indelibly creepy because of its use in the movie but it's just a really great like fundamentally great synth uh, 80s song so yeah mm. i've been digging that so those are wow. my two things right now that's cool wow who was yeah. the what was the name of this performer again uh q i think she went by q and then the group was q lazarus um and the song is goodbye horses you'll recognize it and it's uh-huh. it's been been made famous rec- more recently by a, um an internet meme where there's this makeup artist who has this incredibly buff male model that she uh, well, I guess I don't know the gender of the makeup artist. So the makeup artist dresses the model in like um, animal makeup. That's really, it's not realistic. Like it looks like an animal, but it blends with the skin super, super well. Huh. So there's, there's a like super buff guy dressed as a unicorn posing with a katana on a photo backdrop. And then wow. somebody, <laughs> somebody put, Hugh Lazarus over the top of it because it reminded them of the Buffalo. Anyway, I, I'll, I'll, I'll post a link to that as well. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> so yeah, speaking of Google uh, rabbit holes, there you go. There's one for you. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Uh, that's what I got. I, I have a show uh, opening next month, although I, th- I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about it because it has this sort of like Museum of Jurassic Technology aspect to it. So so once oh. it opens, I'll um I'll put more information up on the site. Awesome. Rob, is it time? Is it our favorite time? Yeah, I have to go through a few. Oh. We're, we're, we're putting the challenge Stuff. at the end. You're right. Even I, I was the one who said, let's do that, and, and I'm chopping at the bit. <laughs> so, so, so do your thing. We used to have the challenge in the middle, and now we've decided to put the challenge at the end. So, uh-huh. Yeah, so we're, we both get caught up on it every single time because we're just used to doing it in the middle. Um, cool. So I have a few things I'll read, and then we'll jump into the challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm scrolling up the Google Doc. You can find photos of our finished projects at projects.opposablepodcast.com. We also have links in our show notes, and we post cool stuff to our Instagram accounts and also our Patreon. So if you'd like to uh, become a Patreon, um, you can join Nick Kantar and Walter Cotindo in the League of Patreon Supporter of Badasses. Just go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us and anything you donate really helps. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. 
It is now time for the challenge. Lay it on us. All right. Uh, um, and I almost let it slip earlier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my fault. You made my fault. Caught myself. Um, so, um, as I mentioned, I um, used hyperlapse um, for for the the video of my piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I've always been fa- fascinated with is um, is time lapse photography as well as slow motion. Um, and I also love like there was a period of time when it was very popular in like music videos to kind of ramp up time or, or slow things down, just like, mm-hmm. you know, at the drop of a hat. Um, and so um, uh, my idea for the challenge is bending time. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. good. So <laughs> good. OK, the, I can really sink my teeth into this one. This is great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Wow. Wow. Right on. Great work, Ending everybody. Time. <laughs> Making sure I write it down. Okay, spending time. Okay, got it. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Uh, geez, that's it. That's the end of the show. Um, Sean, do you, ha- do you have any links or anything like that that you would be interested in sharing so people can check out your work? Um, I think the best way to find me is on uh, Instagram as Ursonata, cool. which is U-R-S-O-N-A-T-E. Um, I'm also Ursonato on Twitter and Flickr. And that's a, um, am I right in thinking that's a Schwitters? That Schw- Kurt Schwitters? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Schwitters deep yes. Kurt I didn't get an MFA for not nothing. about bears, as uh, yes. many people keep telling <laughs> that was, me. Oh, that was going to yeah. be my guess as a, as a big <laughs> fan of the Witcher video games. Yeah. I was going to go for the bears thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's I, I laugh because you think about all the people that get to their, you know, like the, the Google, uh, their Gmail name first or whatever, and you were the one that that parked it on Schwitters before anybody else. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. That's cool. Yeah, indeed. And shout out to Ranjit for um, introducing us to your work. So um, thanks, Ranjit, for that. Charlene, it was super great to have you on. It, yeah, it, thanks. Um, yeah, we we I've been psyched about this one for a while, so it's really really great to mm-hmm. have it happen. And thanks for again to Taylor's point, diving in to a podcast with two people who you you've yeah. never even met before. So <laughs> I, I realize that's a weird, strange thing. So no, thanks. It was a blast. Somebody likes gradients. Yes. (laughs) Yes, they do.